Good morning, listeners. You're welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the programme, I will be talking to Christy Doherty from AXA Insurance about farm insurance and other matters. I will also be talking to Ger from the Village Market in Holy Cross about what they're doing over the Halloween weekend. And my final guest this morning will be Martin Hayden, TD, a minister of state at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine about an agricultural and rural development conference taking place in Mitchellstown next week. My first guest this morning is Tina Mulhern. And Tina is with the local authority. And uh, she's just after telling me that she has a smashing job. And that is looking after broadband and training, etc. in the county. And, uh, of course, none of us can live without having a proper broadband, proper IT connections nowadays. So... Tina, uh, uh, that's what she does for the local authority and they have a little project in conjunction with some other partners and I'm quite sure Tina will tell us all about the other partners and it's got to do around smart farming and that's why we're, I'm talking to Tina this morning. Good morning Tina and thanks very much for joining us. Good morning Jim and thank you for having me on. It's great. Now, what is smart farming Tina? So smart farming is basically farmers using technology and the tools that are available in the information um, world to look at the way farming is done and to basically leverage those that technology to maximize the results on their farms. Right. Now, of course, uh, uh, anybody that's uh, extremely smart out there would say that a smart smart farmer is really a farmer who's making an awful lot of money. We are now talking about something that's completely different. And do you know there are a lot of technologies now that farmers are using? Yes, and they are. There are, lo- there are lots of technology there, and a, a, a high percentage of farmers are using it. So our program is a pilot program in Tipperary. We're running it in our broadband connection points, which are high-speed broadband connection points in rural villages, and there are 21 of them in Tipperary. And we're running the pilot program in Moyglass, and then it will be also people from other areas, <clears throat> excuse me, will be able to um, also you know drop in because we have the technology in the other bcps that the audio video conferencing so if you can't make it to my glass then you can actually zoom in to the actual program from another area in tipperary so like lot as you said jim lots of farmers are using technology so we want to reach the farmers who aren't using technology and those that perhaps are using it in a slight way to improve their use and to see okay so the the program kind of looks at identifying and looking at what is out there in digitalization, what is out there so that farmers can say, oh, I wasn't aware of that or I could be using that in a different way. And we're working with Chagask and the IFA and the ICMSA, and they are actually delivering the content of the program on smart farming. So they will be working with the farmers saying, OK, were you aware of you know, what you can do, maybe crop management or um, improving soils and livestock yields and using apps and technology that are in existence to either limit your time, you know, so change your time to maybe give you more time 
and you know to take away maybe low tasks that are taking yeah. you a lot of time and effort but could be done in a more efficient way technology right now you mentioned the three organizations that you have partnered with i presume then you are are aware of the signpost program that chagas have which would be very similar to this Yes, yes. And again, um, Chagas have the program and the um, the IFA have a program. So they all have and they have mm-hmm. that. So again, what we would hope this would be, um, you know, a, a way to get into these programs as well, that farmers would say, OK, it's kind of giving the, the appetite to learn more. These programs, you know, it's uh, four modules, so it's not going to give them all the answers, but it will create an awareness it will then say, okay, I need to find out more. So it give that appetite to find out more and then advance to programs like that. So that's, that's, that's basically what we want to do. We want to create an awareness of what smart farming is and how it can be of use and giving the farmers the information and the tools to go further with it. Right. Now, you say that you're starting off in the hub in my glass. When is that kicking off, Tina? That is kicking off on um, November this year, so November 2022, and the week commencing the 14th of November. So farmers will see, you know, advertising about it and promotion of it in the next week or so, and they will be able to just sign up their interest the organizations that are running the content, so the IFA, the ICMSA, and um, Chagas will be sending it out to their members. We'll be promoting it on our social media and, you know, in in um, radio media and print media. And then people will just have to register their interest in attending and then we'll follow up with them to see, you know, exactly what 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 they are looking for explain more about the program and then what we will do during the program is look and speak to the participants and see what kind of skill level do they have on digital skills and then what the last module will be that digital skills training so it will be about okay I want to learn more about this, but I need the skills to be able to do it. So a lot of our program is about the digital skills needed to progress in smart farming. And we will speak to the farmers, the participants when they're on the course and then, you know, give them those skills. So do that training at the end. Okay. the duration then of the course. So the the course will be running for four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be starting the week of the 14th and some will be day sessions, some will be evening sessions. And um, so it will run for four weeks and then the digital, the actual skills training, then we will do that, you know, as in if, if farmers need two sessions, they will get two sessions. But then again, a bit like the signposting in the Tiagask, we can signpost them to go and get additional training um, with like you know we're speaking ETB to uh, yeah the ETB or NALA NALA yeah. are doing digital training um, yeah. do you know so there are lots Joe Ledden does a lot of training on digital skills so there you know there are different ways we can focus <laughs> them in on those getting those digital skills right okay 
Uh, and that's the key because, do you know, the inform- there's loads of information out there. There's loads of ways to learn about smart farming. But sometimes it's a bit like the whole information world. There's so much you don't know where to start. So this program is starting giving the information and then farmers can make more informed decisions on what area of interest to them. So it might be some farmers, it might be all about improving soils. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and other farmers now, everyone will want to optimize energy and raw material at the moment, whatever, you know, reducing your ecological impact of agriculture activities, you know. So there may be a certain area, say the ICMSA are doing a, a, a module on milk pricing. Mm-hmm. So, again, that is looking at, um, you know, how can you actually influence the price you get from milk? So yeah. and that's a huge thing. So that's one module that would be very, very interesting to the dairy sector. And then the IFA are looking at the whole, you know, grassland management, mm-hmm. the technology for time and labor savings, you know, and also useful apps and the farm management systems. And the whole how, you know, carbon calculators. So mm-hmm. that's the IFA section. So that's what they're looking for, are looking at um, mm-hmm. giving that content to farmers. And then Chagas are going to do all about the soil, you know, yeah. actual um, and also fertilizer. And it will be a very practical one, but using the fertilizer, you know, the spreader in a more efficient manner you know not fertilizing mm-hmm. the whole field when it doesn't need to be fertilized you know so again it's where it's it's almost like the, the soil is speaking to you going look i'm good i'm full i don't need any of your fertilizer and the rest of it saying i'm really thirsty i need more so again it's having that information to know where to push more fertilizer and where to put less so you're using your resources in a smarter way so it's very practical and we, this is kind of the, the starting phase to where do I go for more for right, this? Right. OK. Well, it sounds very interesting. There's no doubt at all about it. Uh, while you were talking there, one thing came to mind, and that is what about a farmer who has the necessary broadband coming to his house, fibre going to his house? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, can that particular type of farmer would like to learn that little bit more because you'll find that that Mm. farmer is a little bit uh, savvy with digital skills at this particular stage anyway. It's this program for them as well as somebody who knows nothing? Yes, I think it is Mm -hmm. because, again, you have, like you have the IFA, as I said, Mm. the ICMSA and Chagas, like Mm. the leading bodies in Mm -hmm. farming. Mm -hmm. So they have so much expertise. So, again, do you know what? Sometimes you think you go to a training course or Mm. you go to an information session and you think, oh, I don't know why I'm here. This is all just I know this. But then there's one thing, a little nugget that you hear and you think, oh, my God, if only I had known that. And it's a tiny, tiny piece of information or it's telling you about something else. And you think, oh, my God, it was worth it just for that one minute of information. So that's why I would say, you know, these are organizations that have the skills, have the the information. And there could be something there that you weren't aware of or something that would be that nugget of information that you go that's the one that's what i needed to know or now i know how to go where to go further so definitely i think it is okay now this is going to kick off in nearly two weeks time somebody listening to us this morning and they say this is something i want to do 
What do they have yes. to do? Okay, so simply register their interest. So if they're part of those three farming organizations that I was uh, speaking about, mm -hmm. they will get um, an email or contact from the far their relevant farming organization telling them about the course and what to do. Or it will be on our own sites and on Tipperary um, Coco.ie. It would be on there. Um, or they can contact myself, um, Tina Mulhern, about it. So and okay. I can, uh, you know, yeah. So there's, uh, there's multiple ways of, uh, yes. you know, showing your interest in wanting to get involved in this. Yes. So, yeah. and of course, now we're only two weeks out from it. They want to be getting on their bicycles. They would, on their bicycles, definitely. Um, yes. So, and again, you know, it will be very, very, you know, it's not going to be a complicated. It will, we'll keep the whole process simple. It's register your interest. We will give you the information um, and you say, yeah, I'm interested and I'm coming along. And, you know, we've had farmers already express mm -hmm. interest, which is great. And, you know, it may be that you might want to do one particular module. You know, you might yeah. say, well, look, at, you know, I'm only interested in this module and that's great. And we will get all that information from you once you register your interest and follow up with you. OK, well, look, at that's great. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us this morning. It's been very interesting discussion, I can assure you. My farmer listeners, there you are. If you want to learn more about IT and if you want to be a smart farmer, there's an opportunity now. So why not go online or ring the local authority or contact your farming organisation and sign up for this pilot uh, programme on smart farming run by the local authority and your farming organisations. Thank you, Jim. Listeners, my next guest is Christy Doherty. And Christy is the head of agriculture with AXA Insurance. And uh, we all know how important insurance is to everybody in the community. And uh, farmers are no different, uh, must have insurance of various different types uh, to make certain sure that if anything happens, they are covered. And uh, there is a feeling out there at the moment when you talk to farmers and you talk to professionals uh, across the industry that a lot of farmers might not be fully insured given the way prices have risen over the past uh, 12 months. Good morning, Christy, and I'm quite sure you'll be able to answer some of these questions for us. Hello, Jim. Uh, I, I certainly uh, hope I can, yes. Yeah. Okay, now, Christy, um, I know you contacted me a few weeks ago uh, that you wanted a bit of coverage about a dairy show that you had. And first of all, I'd like to know how that went. Yes, Jim, the, the National Dairy Show uh, took place there over the weekend in, in Mill Street. And uh, for the first time, uh, AXA were the title sponsors of the event. So it was the AXA National Dairy Show. And uh, it, it is one, if not the highlight of the the dairy calendar for farmers around the country, uh, because it's it's effectively the meeting place uh, mm -hmm. of, of dairy farmers with with a huge interest in all things dairy. What were the main concerns then that farmers had at the uh, at the show? A, a, farmers, I suppose, Jim, as everyone knows, they're they're in uh, they're having a good year, uh, a very good year uh, in terms of the. The return and uh, you know uh, while that's positive on the one hand farmers are uh, business people and they fully appreciate look we're, we're, we're entering into 
Uh, we're, we're in a space today, you know, there's, there's war, there's potential food scarcity, there's labour scarcity, and you, you've already highlighted the issue with inflation, global mm. inflation and its impact. So farmers are, are, are clever and they realise that, you know, that they need to be very careful um, at the moment uh, in, in balancing everything. So when it comes to insurance, uh, I, I really would call out to people that if you have, you know, just, just think of a situation where you happen to have a, a small fire in your house at the moment. Um, the cost of, of repair uh, and the cost of putting everything back as it was is totally different now than it was six months ago, 12 months ago, 18 months ago. So that has ramifications. And what really the call out to, to farmers and, and all consumers is that <coughs> you, you need to review your insurance um, because at the end of the day, the insurance company wants to pay you when you have a claim. Um, but the only way we can ensure you're paid the correct amount is if you review your policy and make sure that the values and the sums insured across your policy are you know, in sync with the market today. And what that means is you know, that the rebuild costs now are, you know, they've on a house have gone from, you know, 230 to 275 euro per square foot, depending on what builders you, you engage and the level of finish on your house. So the point is, if you had your house, an uh, insurance valuation on your house based on 120 euros per square foot, you're going to be hugely out of sync. So what we're calling out is we, we want to educate farmers and customers out there to avoid under insurance and the only way you can do that is put a call through to your insurance company your insurance broker and have them review your insurance that will avoid any pending or future problems down the road Christy can I put a scenario to you and it's one that I suppose a lot of farmers would have spoken to me about uh, with regard to insurance and that is, uh, I'm after paying 100000 for a new tractor, OK? OK, it came onto the farm on, we'd say, the 1st of January. And on the 15th of January, uh, the tractor went on fire. And I only got 90% of the cost of the tractor. Why is that? Uh -huh. So what has happened there is the tractor uh, from the day it landed... Mm -hmm. to the day of the claim has actually increased in value. So the market value and the cost of replacing that vehicle has increased. So that, that is the, the logical answer. Um, uh, I'm presuming you insured it for 100000 Correct. Um, if, you, if you insured it for 100000 the once the market value is, is, is um, if the market value then becomes over 100000 then you become a level of uninsured on that. So your value is incorrect versus the value of replacing it in the market. If that's a, an unusual scenario, Jim. I notice, yeah. The, the more typical scenario would be that there's a tractor at home and, you know, you put a value of 20,000 on it five years ago and you didn't look at the value of it subsequently. Mm -hmm. And now the cost of replacing that uh, is gone up to 30,000. So it's a good example where tractors and machinery and equipment on farm has hugely inflated. So instead of getting the tractor insured for 20 and it's now worth 30, you'll get two thirds of the final value is what you'll get. 
So that's what underinsurance does, and that's a principle of insurance. So an insurance company is, is utterly dependent on the farmer in these instances putting the correct values on their property uh, and machinery uh, and their assets full stop. So it, that is the way it works. One thing I would say is, with certainly with AXA, if you, uh, on your outbuildings, for instance, put uh, a valuation on your outbuildings and in the heat of the read, when you do have a claim, if you're within 85% of the value, we will give you the full amount. So, you know, there, there, insurance companies do help and do mm-hmm. try to get you to put the proper values. But, Jim, the real issue is farmers, because of their nature and because of their loyalty, they, they don't put insurance up the shopping list. So insurance and farmers are having a good year at the moment. And, you know, they, they might not realize it pays to shop out there. And when they don't shop around, they leave the values as they were, and they don't give it the attention, really, that it needs. Mm-hmm. And and that is the critical point. Um, at the end of the day, the farmers might not realise, but companies like ourselves in AXA, we've made it very easy for farmers to switch their insurance. So it's not like switching a bank account. And insurance is totally different. It can be done in a phone call, and it can be done in one visit. Um, so it's it's a phone call that could save you a lot of money, and it certainly for you know for fifteen or twenty minutes or a half hour of a, of a phone call or a visit, we can certainly save people money. And at the end of the day, I think it's important that farmers realise that. Right, no, an awful lot of people listening to us this morning, Christy, are not farmers, but I'm quite sure that you insure domestic dwellings and uh, contents, etc. So uh, the same applies to uh, everybody, I presume? Uh, it's it's the same for everybody. Mm. And, and, you know, it's, it's even a, a simple thing if, if you know, if... Uh, if a carpet on the floor um, gets damaged in, in, in a leak, um, you know, and the carpet has to be replaced, the cost of replacing that carpet today, uh, I'm not in the habit of, of pricing carpets, Jim, but I, I would certainly know that, you know, you're going to pay certainly anywhere above 30% higher than it was. So that's just a measure of the level of inflation that's on uh, all goods nowadays. So, as a result, you need to reflect that onto the, your house uh, insurance valuation and your contents valuation. So it is so, so, so important to do that and to do it urgently. Right, getting back to the farming side of it, uh, Christy. Uh, I, I presume that you have the usual insurances for trespass and uh, public liability and all these things that... Uh, farmers are very concerned about nowadays because uh, they really don't want people uh, having accidents on their farm and find themselves to be in a very, very tricky situation that somebody brings a claim against them. Absolutely, Jim. Uh, I suppose that the thing to, to realise with our AXA farm product, we came into the market back in uh, July 2018 um, and we've 30-odd thousand mm-hmm. farmers have made the move to a sense but the covers that we offer, we offer the full range of covers. So from your dwelling house to your contents, to your outbuildings, to your livestock, your liabilities uh, and your agricultural vehicles. When it comes to that whole area of, of, of trespass, yes, or, or public liability uh, incorporates, you know, cover for 
uh, trespass and uh, I do know in recent incidents in, certainly in, in our own home county mm-hmm. it's it's hugely important and thankfully no, no insurance company will sell you a policy without public liability that's the critical uh, importance of it so it goes without saying if anybody becomes injured uh, on your lands or property so public liability ultimately pays for you know if you injure a, a third party or if there's damage mm-hmm. to any property um so that's what it covers and, and the limit is six and a half million so it, it's a hugely relevant cover but yet again jim in in the world we live in there's there's other covers that are you know equally as important mm-hmm. so the, far, the farmer who has the employee they need to rely some some people think public liability covers everything it doesn't it just covers what i've said the injury mm-hmm. and loss to property but if you have an employee, you need to have employer's liability because, yet again, you know, you, you have an onus and a duty of care to your employee and you need to have employer's liability, which is a, a, a higher limit. Mm-hmm. And that is what you, what you need to have uh, for that cover. Um, the other thing, Jim, that's hugely relevant today is, is environmental liability. So, yet again, um, you know, if uh, as a result of pollution or damage to natural resources. Um, you know, if a farmer causes pollution or natural resource damage, you need to have environmental liability. And that's one that doesn't often get uh, a lot of hearing. And it's a cover that we have, and uh, it's a cover where we provide 2.6 million worth of cover uh, in the event of, of any incidents happening with spillages of <laughs> chemicals, chemicals, diesel, slurry, yeah. um, that, that can cause harm to, to water courses or, or to neighbours' property. So that's important uh, that farmers know that they have that environmental cover. OK, well, look at Christy, we're running out of time. And if anybody uh, listening to us this morning wants some information about their insurance or want to contact AXA, how do they go about it? Jim, they can call into any of our branches uh, around the country. So we we have a local branch network. You can uh, look up our website at axa.ie forward slash farm. Uh, and it will also provide you with our, our telephone numbers and indeed my own email of christy.doherty at axa.ie. Okay, well, look at Christy, thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listener was Christy Doherty, who is the head of agriculture with AXA Insurance. The weekends that's in it, and in particular today and tomorrow and a few days after it, all our schools are out, they're all on a midterm break. But more importantly, it's the Halloween weekend. And, of course, there's all things happening in uh, various parts of the county to celebrate uh, Halloween 2022. And one of the places that something big is happening, and that is in Holy Cross, the Holy Cross Village Market, have an event built around Halloween. And to talk about it, I have Geraldine from uh, the village market and Geraldine is going to fill us in on what is likely to happen in Holy Cross today. Good morning Geraldine and thanks for joining us. What is happening in Holy Cross today? Well, good morning Jim and thanks for having us on and good morning to your listeners. So we have a very exciting day. We have the um, annual pumpkin fest which is part of the village market but it's that more fun, longer market on Saturday. 
and we've gone indoors to the community centre, which is um, which is great for us um, and for all the patrons. So we have half a dozen or more things happening, Jim. Right. So the first thing you'll have seen there in the village is the scarecrows and scarecrow competition. So the local national school pupils there did an absolutely fantastic job. And you'll have seen the display of maybe 20 scarecrows there in the village. Um, and Brian O'Mara has the, has the difficult task now of, um, of judging winners there. So we have first, second and third pri- cash prizes there for the winners. And we have to really just applaud the, the pupils for their creativity and, um, and their work. You know, we really must. I've only seen them in the dark. Very scary altogether. Just driving through That's the fantastic. village uh, the other evening, yeah. and uh, I said to myself, "There's something happening in Holy Cross," and I suppose that's the reason I'm talking to you. Yes, Jim. Okay. So with um, with Halloween and and mm-hmm. and the the tradition of dressing up and trick and treat, mm-hmm. it's it's free admission uh, to the to the market always. So we would encourage all of the children to dress up to come into the safety of the market and the space there. Um, to trick or treat, so there's um, there's goodies goodies at all of the thirty stalls, um, so lots to lots to uh, choose from there and mm-hmm. uh, lots of fun. And are you able to bring in the thirty stalls into the hall? We are, Jim. The um, the gazebos are not required, so the the, the normal table would be one point eight meters. So mm-hmm. we will have probably one or two outside. Um, say the likes of the um, the turf. The, the fire fuel, yeah. the vegetables um, and plants, the rest of them, there's lots of room. So I presume then you're expecting uh, quite a big crowd to turn up. We are, Jim, because the it's 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 really a community, a free event uh, for families and for mm-hmm. children. Uh, and in these times, that's so important and, and for community. So the children can just engage with the making, as in the scarecrows, or carving their conquers and they can bring them along and they can uh, mm-hmm. enter the raffle. And there's, there's lunch, there's a special offer for a community on the day, all tea and coffee. Um, the, the stewards there are doing tea and coffee for two euros. Lots of bakes, face painting, uh, crafts, flower reeds, you know, all of the favourites that you're used to at the market. We've one special event then, um, own Ryan, actually. From Seskin Lane. Yes, yes. <coughs> Yeah. So uh, Owen has a new CD coming. He's such a gifted artist mm. and, and songwriter. He has a new CD coming before Christmas. Um, but we're just absolutely thrilled. Um, it's really going to be a toe-tapping event with, uh, with Owen. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a touch of a cough. Do you intend then to uh, have the market indoor every two weeks between now and springtime when you can get out again? Well, at the moment, Jim, we have indoor on the on the twenty ninth on Saturday. Yeah, we're indoor on the twelfth of November, which is the next market. Mm-hmm. And there's just two other markets left this year. And at the moment, indoor space is not available. Um, but we're we're optimistic about those dates for outdoors as well. Coming up to Christmas as well. Sometimes the outdoor markets are just um, are just really nice uh, and very atmospheric. Uh, and are you going to do something special for Christmas? We will we will have a full Christmas market um, with Mr and Mrs Claus on the 10th of December. And again, a bit like the Pumpkin Fest on Saturday, Jim, it will be a longer, uh, fuller market mm-hmm. going from 1pm to 4pm. So just lots, of, uh, lots to choose from, lots of fun. 
Yeah, you know, I, and really a family, a family occasion and a community occasion. And and that one on the tenth will be the final one this year, will it? Yes, Jim. That's yeah. the last one for this mm. year. Um, now it's been a different year than than last year. We've had um, five plus vendors who have moved on in the best way possible to ap- absolutely develop and um, get their own businesses growing. And they would have started off in the market. So they're either in full-time employment or their business started and grew from the market. And they're now, uh, you know, firmly established in shop fronts or supplying into shops or whatever, or in full-time employment with craft. So we're just, we're very excited about the fact that the platform is working as we hoped in in really being a, a step up for those people who want to um, take the initiative. Uh, you said it was a very different year to uh, last year. It was, and weather-wise, it definitely was. Would you be extremely happy in how the market progressed in 2022? Jim, quite a lot of people were, were travelling and catching up with weddings and holidays, so it was it was a different market, but it, sust- it, it did sustain. The atmosphere is still very, very good. The amount of entertainment um, and craft um, that's available and home bakes and just the creativity um, is, is just still incredible. We still have quite a number of floating stalls. We have great successes with TY students. And yes, it's different in that it's not as novel, but yeah. it's, it's, still, um, it's still working very, very well. And we have to commend the vendors, mm-hmm. you know, and really thank the, the public for continuing to support the market and the community initiative. Yeah, because we all know how difficult it is to uh, sustain uh, markets like yours. Um, okay, they start with a great flurry and then to try to keep them alive and different and things like that, it is a bit of a job, to put it mildly. There's great, um, there's great support in the community, Jim, mm. and I suppose it's not a commercial venture from the organiser's standpoint. It's, you know, it's community and it's goodwill. So that's, that's, you know, I think the essence of the support and the essence of the success of it. Um, and it's really to provide a service and projects in the community for the community. Um, so that's really the focus. And we look again to the community to see what their needs are for 2023 and beyond mm-hmm. um, and see what, what works best for everybody. Finally, before I let you go then, just give me another insight into what's going to happen today. So t- today, Jim, we're, we're kicking off at one o'clock. Um, Brian O'Mara will, will be judging the scarecrows. Um, he's, he's going to be around the village all of this week now checking those out. And we have to thank Mark Collins for the photography. There's mm-hmm. trick and treat, and we're inviting all of the children to come along with their costumes, in their costumes, and bring their carved pumpkins. There's lots and lots of cash prizes. There's a competition to guess how many conquers in the bucket. And there's a 30 euro voucher for that. And we're, um, we're really privileged to have Owen Ryan entertaining with all of his, um, uh, I think his, his sitting room songs, really. He, mm-hmm. has, he has written all of these new songs in his sitting room over, the, um, over shutdown and recent months. And we have the fabulous lunches from uh, the Grubhub, tea, coffee, bakes, crafts. Mm-hmm. And in particular, we'd ask people to, to check in with the... Um, with the group from the soccer club in Holy Cross there, they have a fantastic event on the Sunday, a uh, fancy dress event, and they're going to have tickets there at the market on Saturday. 
Okay, well, look at thanks very much for joining me, Geraldine. That listener was Geraldine from the Village Market in Holy Cross telling us all that's going to happen this Halloween. It's all happening today. It's kicking off at one o'clock and it runs till about four o'clock. Listeners, my final guest this morning is Martin Hayden, TD, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. And he, as you all know, he's a Fine Gael minister. And during the week, I received a notification that Fine Gael are holding a series of meetings for those of us who are interested in agriculture and rural development. And uh, Minister Hayden has kindly come on the programme this morning to talk about this event. Good morning, Minister, and thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm very well. Martin. And now, Martin, will you tell us what is the background to this series of seminars or meetings that Fine Gael are going to hold over the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I'm delighted to have the opportunity uh, to tell your listeners about it. Uh, people may remember that uh, earlier this year, Fine Gael held a national conference in Tullamore. Um, and from that, we formed the Agriculture, Food and, and Rural Development Forum. Um, which is uh, chaired by Eddie Downey, former uh, president of the IFA. And um, one of the uh, uh, roles that the forum decided to take on was to hold a series of regional meetings around the country where we would bring senior politicians from government, uh, from Fine Gael, um, obviously, this being the Fine Gael Forum. Um, so myself and Minister Coveney will be in Mitchellstown on Friday the 4th of November, um, but as well as you know, local people involved in food production and agriculture and rural affairs, uh, Louise Crowley, a dairy farmer and National Dairy Council ambassador, and Helen O'Donnell, an owner of the Limerick-based uh, business, Dolman Catering, uh, will also uh, be addressing the forum meeting and the regional meeting uh, that we're holding in Mitchellstown on the 4th of November. So the idea here is to have an opportunity uh, to engage with dwellers from rural Ireland as well as farmers and discuss all the key issues um, that pertain to people in rural Ireland. Martin, is it really just an information meeting or is there an opportunity for the general public and particularly I presume it's geared more at Fine Gael members than everybody else? Am I right or wrong there? No, like this is a Fine Gael event organised by the party, uh, but it's very much open to the public and it's right. very much about engagement. Um, it, it, it's as much about listening as it is about, um, you, you know, us talking about uh, the work we're doing and uh, the challenges we face. You know, Fine Gael believes in a rural Ireland that is prosperous and thriving. And in the last five years, we've been proud to be part of successive governments that have provided massive investment into rural Ireland from establishing the new government department of rural and community affairs backed by a 1 billion euro uh, rural development fund, the, the 3 billion euro national uh, broadband plan and regional enterprise development fund. But we also are very aware of the challenges that exist, including volatile prices for our farmers, dereliction in some of our regional towns and villages, and the loss of younger people uh, to larger towns and you know challenges around public transport and other infrastructure. So the forum is about connecting rural Ireland and the agricultural uh, sector to our elected representatives. Um, and, you know, Eddie Downey as chairperson will we'll bring that uh, together where we'll have an opportunity to address the meeting, but also have the opportunity to listen uh, to uh, members of the public's views and also answer their questions. So it is an opportunity for people uh, to express uh, any concerns that they have with what's happening in rural Ireland and also to say, uh, to give their ideas of what should be done 
uh, about rural Ireland at the moment. And I just see from the press release that I got, and I suppose one that uh, is very topical as far as rural dwellers are concerned, and particularly some farmers who do not have uh, fibre to the house and find it very, very difficult to interact with your department when it comes to uh, getting the various uh, forms lodged in the department on time. Yeah, exactly. So National Broadband Plan mm. is a good example of something that is both something we're proud of in Fine Gael and in government to have progressed, but also that's uh, still a challenge for people. Um, high-speed fibre broadband is, is very similar to oxygen. Um, if you're getting it, you take it for granted. If you're deprived of it, you're hugely, hugely frustrated, to say the least. Um, and, you know, we know that. Um, obviously, we were the only political party uh, at the time in the last government to put forward the plan and to implement the National Broadband Plan. Every other political party looked to stall that, felt that €3 billion Euro was too expensive, but we felt it was a price well worth paying to make sure we didn't have a two-tier Ireland, that uh, balanced regional development happened across the board. And, you know, the pandemic absolutely proved that approach right. And now, you know, the most regular call in Dáil Éireann would be for this process to be rolled out even faster. And we are looking at ways of doing that quicker. So, again, on the night of this forum, people... Um, interactions and experiences um, people who live in rural Ireland who have the opportunity to work remotely and maybe are hindered in doing so and who want to learn more about the National Broadband Plan and how it, and to tell us how it's rollout or otherwise has impacted them. That's obviously something that would be a key topic on the night. Minister, you mentioned working or Martin, I should have said you mentioned working uh, remotely. Are we going to see uh, some legislation around that uh, in the near future? Absolutely. So the Tanishta, as Minister for Enterprise, mm. Radker, has uh, brought forward uh, legislation around remote working. Again, that's another piece of legislation that we'd be able to talk about uh, on the night. And, you know, the pandemic brought forward very quickly something that we thought would happen over time, that digital revolution that would improve our quality of life and mean that those uh, rural dwellers who were slaves to a commute to a nearby city, you know, would have the opportunity to work remotely somewhat and, and it is a great opportunity for our rural towns and villages for people to be able to stay closer to home. But it does throw up potential challenges and problems. And that legislation is, is definitely something I would like to see discussed and pe- get people's feedback on as to the challenges it throws up. The positives I see it can throw up uh, for rural Ireland very much is the fact that people live locally. Uh, they can either use the remote working hubs that our colleague, Minister for Rural Affairs, Heather Humphreys, is funding all around the country, and particularly in Munster. And those people then are in their local town and village where they get to spend their money at lunchtime in the local uh, restaurant or cafe, and then be at home in the evening to help their children with their homework or to be down volunteering in the local sports club or community facility because they're not gone for long hours commuting away to work. But again, obviously, to get the balance right with employers and with businesses to make sure that it's working for everybody is a key balance we have to strike right. Getting the input of uh, people at this public meeting as to how uh, remote working uh, and its opportunities would impact them is a very important listening exercise for us in government as well. One other thing, Minister, before I let you go, and that is that, you know, there's an awful lot of derelict houses in rural Ireland, and I had the opportunity of being with one of your colleagues at ploughing on a panel on housing, and that was uh, Minister Dara O'Brien. And uh, I contributed to that particular discussion at at the ploughing. There are a lot of derelict rural houses in Ireland, uh, and particularly in rural Ireland. You know, is there any plan to do anything about that, or is that something that could come up at these meetings? 
Absolutely. I'd be shocked if we had a public meeting where housing uh, didn't feature because it's obviously one of the biggest issues in our country, uh, whether we're talking about rural Ireland and rural planning and the changes that my colleague, Minister for Planning and Local Government, Peter Burke, is bringing about, uh, as well as, you know, um, housing in general, but vacancy and vacant derelict premises is a is a very big uh, issue for us in the country. We have a lot of them that are there. Obviously, our constitution has very strong property rights um, that protects people's rights. And a lot of these occasions, these houses are owned by people who may be in nursing homes or may be subject to a probate of a will um, and, and such challenges there. But we are bringing about a number of changes through our housing strategy of housing for all to incentivize the uh, bringing back into use of these premises because it is a much better way of using, uh, you know, resources that we have. Uh, there are houses that are light on our rural countryside that could be back and reinvigorate um, life into our rural communities. And we have a number of measures there to support um, people in doing that. But again, to hear from people how the current supports that are there from for first-time buyers, the help the buy scheme and all those other measures, again, that'll be able to be discussed on the night. This is very much an open forum. And what people, uh, while there will be, uh, the meeting will be addressed from the top at the start, mm-hmm. there will be the opportunity for people to have their input and have their say. And that's that's a really important aspect of any public forum. OK, at the beginning of the interview, Minister, you pointed out all the good things that the government are doing for rural Ireland on Thursday of this week, your colleague, and you've already mentioned her, Minister Heather, Heather Humphreys, has announced the expression of interest for the Next Leader programme. So that's another big step to help rural Ireland. Yeah, look, the Leader programme is funded uh, through my department's CAP fund um, mm. under Pillar 2 of, of, of the European support uh, mechanism there. Um, and obviously, it's played a critical role in rural Ireland in recent years through our leader companies. Leader funding has uh, allowed many rural community groups to develop facilities and enhance facilities uh, that are there. So the next round of leader funding is, is obviously a, a critical uh, part of that as well. And of course, to show the integrated approach um, of government, whether you're, you're talking about the housing issue or community supports or uh, supports for, for businesses, um, you know, leader covers a lot of those. Um, and the Department of Rural Affairs, which I'm very proud that we established um, in, the, in the last government, is really putting a key focus um, on investment in rural Ireland and making sure we don't have a two-tier Ireland and that rural Ireland is thriving and that we see the investment in our rural towns um, through the Town and Village Renewal Scheme, Community Enhancement Schemes and many others uh, to make sure that rural Ireland is a great place to live, to work and to visit. And before I let you go, will you just remind my listeners that the conference is for everybody and it's taking place in Mitchestown on Friday the 4th? That's it. At 8pm, uh, myself and Minister Simon Coveney will be there, uh, along with Chairperson Eddie Downey and a, a host of other uh, contributors. And we look forward to seeing a good attendance from, uh, from across Munster on the evening for a very good debate on the issues affecting people uh, in rural Munster um, and in the agriculture sector as well. Minister, thank you very much. That, listeners, was Martin Hayden, TD Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Listeners, before I sign off, just something that would be of interest to my listeners. Chagas and the ICBF are running a series of beef workshops entitled Calving at 24 Months across the county in November. The workshops provide a great opportunity to meet Ger Carey, the farm manager in Gertine College, on next Wednesday, the 2nd of November, and then on the following week, the 11th of November, the workshop takes place in Kildalton, and John O'Connor, the farm manager there, 
will discuss how heifers calf at 24 months on the farm. Workshops take place at 10.30am and at 2pm both, at both venues. And booking is online on the Chagas website. Or you can call into Thurlis office to book or teen or the Kilkenny Chagas office to book a place for the Kildalton workshop. That, listeners, is Ag Report for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week for another Ag Report on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon DeWire presents Down Your Way.